today, we're continuing our series called Breaking the Barriers, a study of Acts 10, 11, and 12. We're, we're walking through it. I've been joking that it's a, it's a five-year plan because there's 27 chapters in Acts, and it's taken us a while. We're taking two or three chapters at a time, calling it a series, uh, spending a month or so in it, then doing some other series ideas, and then coming back to it. So basically, we've been doing two series-ish a year on Acts, and at this rate, we'll get through in five years. So hang in there. Right? Just hang in there. And uh, so it's a slow journey. And Acts is the story of the early church, which is great because we just sang that song about coming alive. It's the story of the early church coming alive by the power and the direction of the Holy Spirit, which if you think it's a story out there, you might be missing the point. The, the point is it's the story for us right here as well, that the church alive comes alive by the power and the direction and the work of the Holy Spirit through people just like you and I. And so we're reading the early story to learn what might be our story for today. And so that's kind of how we're diving in. Our key text, we have a key text for almost every series, is found in Isaiah chapter 57 verse 14, which is actually one of our key texts for being a church at Southridge in the first place. In other words, this is one of those verses that catapulted our reason for being. And here's what it says, Isaiah 57, verse 14. It says, build up, build up, prepare the road. And we talked about last week how many of us, that's part of the struggles. We're better at tearing down than we are building up. And so we need to break the barrier, if you will, of criticism. So we talked about that. Build up, build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. Get the stuff that's in the way out of the way, right? And there's, you know, a lot of things in our lives that need to be taken out or removed, right? I would say spiritually, a lot of us have what I would just call clutter. We have clutter in our lives, things that are keeping us from easily and freely moving and fulfilling God's plan for our lives. Now, some of you know that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat of a, a specialized collector in my garage, other people have called it things like hoarding. It's not hoarding. It's more like investing and gathering with purpose and, you know, stuff, stuff like that. Uh, but there comes a time when it gets so full, <laughs> I, I'm stumbling over stuff, and it just I just need to clean it out just so I can move around in my garage. And, and, and some of you are like, well, you know, get a bigger garage. Amen, whoever is thinking that. Think that loud and pray it hard, because I'm believing for a big garage and a tiny house. Come on. Anyway, so this idea of spiritual clutter is much the same way. You know, you got so much stuff and things in a way that you just need to move some of the stuff out of the way. You need to get rid of what's limiting you. Get rid of that. And many of us, we allow things to exist or stay a part of our lives that eventually or in some way hold us back from moving forward with God. We just allow it. We just kind of get used to it, you know. You get used to all that stuff in a way. You get used to all the clutter. You get used to the limits, if you will, right? Because, and here's why, we don't, because we don't remove the obstacles, we limit our experience and fulfillment with God. And really what we need to do today is get the barriers out of the way. We need to remove the limits. Now, today I want to pick up the story of the early church of Acts in chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. So we're just going to look at 11 verses today. 11 verses, which I think are going to really help us to understand. But I want to, I want to give a little background, all right? So it, Acts chapter 11, so, you know, we've been following the story over the last couple of years, Acts, 11, or Acts as a whole, but it's been 12 to 13 years now 
since the resurrection of Jesus. So if, if you ever go, and it's a really good idea to look at the timeline sometimes of the writings of Scripture so you can understand what's really happening. It didn't just happen yesterday that, that Jesus died and then Pentecost happened and then this happened and like two weeks later this whole story is unraveling. It's been 12 or 13 years. Time has been happening. Not only that, it's been eight years or so since the stoning of Stephen. In other words, one of the, the disciples of the Lord was killed by you know Jewish believers that didn't like what the Christians were doing and making it happen. So it had been eight years since that. It had been several years since... Paul, the apostle, now, I mean, which was, I mean, not now, but was Saul, actually was chasing after Christians, trying to destroy them, had a Damascus Road experience, and was converted, if you will, to Christianity. And it's been several years since that's happened. And so time has gone on, and, and things are happening, and there's been challenges, and there's been breakthroughs on, a, on the way, and the church has been effective in many ways, but there are still limits holding them back. And here's my point, why I think those timelines are important. Is that many of you are here today, and you've maybe been a Christian for a year, or two years, or five years, or 10 years, or 12 years, or 20 years, or 30 years. And my point is simply this. There's probably still limits in your Christian journey that God wants to deal with. There's probably still things in your life, whether you've been a Christian for a year or 25 years or 50 years or whatever it might be, that there might be still some things in you that God wants to get out of the way so you could fulfill his plan for you. And so for us to understand that God's always moving, he's doing these different things to deal with these limits. So first, the first part of chapter 11 is actually a gathering of thoughts or or, or a description, if you will, around this church that was in Antioch, a church in Antioch, and which, by the way, was like 300 miles-ish north of where Jerusalem was. So if you look at a map, you just look at Jerusalem, you go like 300 miles north. You know, for us, what would that be? It'd be like somewhere down in Oklahoma to Omaha, right? Is that roughly, you know, something like that? And so there's some distance, there's some space, and, and they're primarily Gentile believers there. There's a spattering of Jewish believers. And so this story is unfolding with this church. And what's happening is there's a breakthrough. There's a breakthrough of the limits that are really holding them back in some areas to move forward. Now, I was thinking about it just for us. We all have limits, right? You guys know that? If I want you to just look at the person next to you, I always try to do something like this every week and tell them I have limits. Just try it. Just try it. Just try it. Try it. Go ahead, try it. I have limits. I have limits. I have limits. All right? So, so, so just acknowledging is a good step. And I have limits. And it's good to recognize your limits. It's good to understand that you have limits and make sure you don't overextend yourself and be too poor, you know, out there. I mean, you just understand that. But... Here's, here's the reality. It's also good to realize that many of our limits are not necessarily godly limits. I mean, not necessarily godly, and they actually need to be broken. There might be things in your life that are limits that you've gotten very comfortable with that God is saying, you know what? I would like to get rid of that limit so that you could really begin to fulfill the plan that I have for you. And so that part of the limit needs to be dealt with. So all that is kind of leading us to understand Acts 11, 19 through 30. So let's jump in. Let's jump in and just read through it. It says, Meanwhile, 
Meanwhile, in other translations, it says now. It's almost as though in this season, if you will, or in this time, in this moment, in this struggle, however you want to put it, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death, again, going back in time, this has been several years, they've been scattered, kind of pushed out, if you will, to fulfill God's plan. After Stephen's death, traveled as far as Phoenicia, <clears throat> Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God. Like, man, that is awesome. They were out there preaching and doing what they believed God's will was, but only to Jews. So right away as you read in these first couple verses of our text today, you get this idea that there's a limit to what they're doing, and they're only partially fulfilling what God wants to do. Right away. There's an only partial kind of thought that comes out. It goes on. It says, however. I love that word. However. Some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, which is very important, says the power of the Lord was with them. The power of the Lord was with them. Actually, if you would understand that phrase, it actually connects all the other pieces together because without God's power, really nothing really changes. And it's the key to the whole story, that God was present, God was moving. There was something happening in their midst that was originated and sourced from heaven that was able to change the weakness and the brokenness and the desperation of earth around them. I mean, that's, that's what's happening in that statement. And it says, And a large number of these Gentiles believed. They preached the word to the Gentiles. There was a power of God's presence, and it captured the hearts of people to turn in faith, to believe, and turn to the Lord. Verse 22, when the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And I, I was reading this this morning, and I thought, you know, it's interesting because it always seems like whenever the church in Jerusalem hears about something, they always go, how can it dare happen somewhere else than right here? It was almost like they're a little egocentric. You know, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I, I, I kind of see that there. But God was moving, right? God was moving, and they're recognizing, like, we want to go and see what's happening. Verse 23, when he arrived, Barnabas arrived, and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. He, he was able to see something. What he, he, he saw faith. He saw the, the transformation. He saw God's presence. He saw that God was moving in their midst and it has changed them just like he had changed him, right? It, he was able to see this. It goes on. He's filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true, hold the course, stay true, stay, stay, stay focused, stay true to the Lord. And Barnabas was a good man, a little description of Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, which I think is all important, very important to us today. And many people were brought to the Lord because he was available. He was in that moment, right? goes on. It says, Then Barnabas went on to Tar Tarsus to look for Saul. Just kind of like, and again, there's all these random things happening here. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And both of them, Antioch, both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds. And it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. It's kind of an interesting little Holy Spirit insertion here in parentheses. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. So 14, 13 years later, they're called Christians, Christ followers. And I thought about that for a while. I was like, why, why is that in there? And 
what came to me right away was this idea is what are you called? What, what is it that people that know you and they watch you and see your life and how it's lived out, what is it that they would say, this is what I call them, you know? I mean, is it Christ follower? Is, is it that you're not just a Christ, Christian in name, but it's actually something that's part of who you are as a person? That was the first thing. And then the second one is, are you living up to the title? But somehow there was this idea of them being called Christian. goes on, verse 27. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. So the whole area, Jerusalem, Antioch, I mean, just that whole area, right, <clears throat> was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius, so there's a very specific timeline again. Verse 29. So the believers in Antioch, these Gentile believers primarily, because that's who they were, these believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea who were Jewish believers, everyone given as much as they could. And they did this, this they did in trusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take through the elders of the church in Jerusalem. And there's a lot in here, but I want to talk about breaking some limits. And I believe that the things that we're going to pull out today in some shape or form are limits that are in each one of our lives at some degree. And here's what I want you to do as I'm walking through them today. I'm going to talk about three big breaking the limits ideas. And I want you to ask yourself, Lord, which one of them is the one that I most am maybe needing to be dealt with by the Holy Spirit in my own life? Because I'm going to ask at the end for you to pray with me about that. Okay? So what are the highlights or what are, what are the three breaking the limit thoughts from our text. Here's the first one we're going to talk about. Breaking the limits of being controlled by our problems. By our problems. To break the limits of that. See, let's just be really honest. Some of us here today are controlled more than anything else by our circumstances and the situations that we find ourselves in. The problems of life dictate really who and what we are in life more than anything else. And, and it's kind of almost like we would like we would say a statement like this, I would or I could if only this, whatever this is, was not part of my life. In other words, the circumstances of my life dictate my life. The problems of my life, the difficulties of my life, the challenges of my life, the heartaches of my life, the pain of my life, whatever it might be, however you want to word it, we are controlled by the problems of life. Now, here's, here's why I'm bringing this out of this text. Because it says that, meanwhile, they were scattered, you know, the people that were scattered. And however, in other words, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of maybe not so great of circumstances, they were still fulfilling what God, God's plan was. It's a big part of the limit that needed to be broken and was being broken in this story. So here's another one, say, another thought about this. If I could change one thing that keeps people from fully experiencing God's plan, what would it be? I mean, if I could, if I could somehow today just kind of whoo, ominous, dominus, God save their souls, and this would radically change in your life, what would that be? And I sometimes I've said other things, but I really believe this is true, that it would be a spiritual ability to not allow our circumstances or our problems to control our responses in life. 
How many of you are like me and you know that if I could just respond properly with God's perspective to my problems, my circumstances in life, life would be a lot better? Yeah, boom, right? I mean, we just know that, but boy, how often is it just the opposite that we're controlled by these things? And so to, to have the spiritual ability to not allow the circumstances to control our responses in life, but instead to allow God's character, God's power, God's purpose to dictate our responses to the situations that we find ourselves in. And that's what happens. So some of us desperately need to, to break through the barriers of the if-onlys, or I would or I could, if only this wasn't happening, or the partial thought, to stepping into or beginning to embrace the idea of meanwhile, or right now, in the middle of the season, or however, or whatever, that's how I'm going to respond. In spite of my problems or in spite of my season. And instead of being controlled by our obstacles, may we choose to allow God to work through them. Somehow that limit has to be broken. That's the limit that was broken in the story that allowed them to even get to a place that they could experience it. Now, let me just give a couple real quick thoughts about this idea. One is tension is often the greatest catalyst for growth. Tension. How many of you know, like me, that when it's really easy, I don't necessarily grow really well? Anybody else? I mean... I mean, you know why? Because when it gets easy, I get comfortable. <laughs> I get lazy. You know, I might not be as sharp or paying attention to the things that I need to be paying attention to. But when it's tense or it's tough or it's hard, all of a sudden that becomes the catalyst for real spiritual growth. It's when we respond correctly to the problems of life that it actually creates the greatest movement in our lives. Here's a second thought about this. Is it embracing God's power... Actually, his power, just like it said in a text, turns the obstacle into an opportunity. Instead of it controlling me, it actually becomes the springboard or the opportunity that I have to see God do something really amazing. In spite of being persecuted, in spite of being scattered, in spite of all these different things, God, this is not an obstacle, this is an opportunity. And I, when I begin to embrace my difficult circumstance, with God's calling, with God calling the shots, the circumstance or the problem seemed to change dramatically, especially my perspective on them. See, the obstacles become the opportunity, and it's realizing or recognizing that what could have been simply called hurtful or painful in the circumstance was actually in reality something that was trying to help me to get to a place of greater purpose. See, sometimes what happens is we get so consumed with the pain of the circumstance that we miss that maybe God is using the pain or wants to use the pain to actually help me to get me to the place of purpose that he has for my life anyway, that we miss that. So what, is easily, what easily could have looked like something that was meant to destroy them was actually something God was using to do something through them. There's got to be the breaking of the limits that understands, Lord, help me not be controlled by my problems and my circumstances, but instead by his character, by his power and his purpose. Here's the second one. That's the first one. second one is breaking the limits of our own unrealized potential. I'm just curious, how many of you feel like there's still some potential that you yet to realize in your life? I would hope all of us would raise our hand, right? 
I mean, we, we, I think we know that, that, that there's unrealized potential. You know, are you reaching your potential fully? Maybe not quite, or maybe you know there's a lot more to reach. But how do you do that? See, in this text, I think part of what's happening is there was a potential that God wanted them to reach that had some different pieces and parts of it woven through the story. For example, when we, we reach our potential when we live a life filled with a proof of faith. It said the word evidence. In another text uh, translation, it says that Barnabas was able to see the grace of God in their lives. That there was evidence. There was something there. It's what was creating the potential. It was setting them up. There was proof. <clears throat> see, God's grace and power is alive and active in me. It's the proof. And really, then the question for you and I is, what's the evidence of God's blessing in my life? Can people see God in me? And sometimes the evidence is how we respond to the difficulty. So, so many times the influence, and not the influence, but the potential that God has for your life is really wrapped up in this idea of how I respond to or react to or walk through the difficult circumstances of my life to get there. That their suffering didn't separate them from serving the heavenly purpose of God. Instead, it actually allowed him to experience it, the potential. Here, here's, here's another one about unrealized potential and how we reach it. We reach our potential when we hold the course. It says, stay true to the Lord. 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 Stay true to He encouraged them. Hey, guys, I want to encourage you. Stay true to the Lord. God started a great thing with you. Stay true to the Lord. Stay true to the Lord. Hold the course. Hold the course. And many times we struggle to break through the limits of our unrealized potential because we easily fall back into the same poor choices that have caused us problems in the past. We stay true for a while and then we lose our way. And it's like we're constantly starting over instead of moving forward. It's taking two steps forward and two steps backwards. And you know where we end up? Right where we started. That somehow it doesn't, and so he's saying, hey, hold steady because God has some potential things that he wants to do in your life, but if you keep going this way or that way or get derailed or distracted, you're never going to experience what God has for you. Hold true to the course. So we need to make it a point in our lives to hold the course no matter what, to fight against being easily distracted, to fight against being derailed on our spiritual journey. I was thinking about this way, the Old Testament, the Israelites they would have God do something really powerful in their lives. They, he'd bring them through the sea, you know, and they'd say, we love you, Lord, you're amazing. And next thing you know, they're worshiping golden calves, right? I mean, they would always seem to fall away. They would take two steps forward. They'd take two steps backwards, and it just was crazy. And the whole reason why is because they couldn't seem to hold true to the Lord in the times that maybe it was difficult or, here's the one, when it was easy. Hold true to the Lord. In every season, in every circumstance, because that's what is going to position you to fully experience the potential that God has for your life. So that's what he's talking about. Here's, the, here's one more. We reach our potential when we begin to lift up others. It says that then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. Huge breaking of the barrier storyline here. 
Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. Barnabas broke a barrier when he went to look for Saul. Now, Saul was that guy that initially he was trying to kill Christians. He was there holding, again, the blankets or the coats of those that were stoning Stephen. I mean, all these crazy things. He has a Damascus Road experience. He starts preaching. He goes through all these different things. And as he's preaching for a few years, people don't like what he's saying. And they come after him, try to kill him. And he flees and he goes back to his hometown in Tarsus. That's where he's at. And Tarsus is, again, up the road away from where they're at, about 100 miles probably. So Barnabas sets out to go after him, and he's maybe hanging out, or he's hiding out, or he's, doing, he's actually doing ministry with the Gentiles. I mean, all these things are happening, but in many ways, he's kind of forgotten. In many ways, Saul is just kind of out there doing these things, and in part, Barnabas realizes if we're going to reach our potential, we need to make sure that all the people that need to be a part of this story are part of this story, and Paul needs to be a part of the story. I'm going to go get him. So what's all that mean? That Barnabas was investing in someone who others had written off. That Barnabas was going after somebody that everybody else said, I don't know if it'll ever be worthwhile, and there's no potential there, but instead there was great potential. And the question is, who have you or who have I written off that God wants us to invest in their potential? That there's probably somebody in your life that is around you that the difference between reaching potential and not reaching the potential is simply this. You're going to go after them and help them and lift them up and encourage them and place them in a place where they can make a difference in other people's lives. That's part of the story. Check this out. The potential that God has for you might actually be realized through someone else's potential. The potential that God has for you might actually be when you finally say, you know what, I'm not going to just make this about me. I've got to go get Paul. I've got to go get Saul, who later becomes Paul, to be a part of this because I realize to reach our potential, I've got to empower and lift up the people around me in ways I've never done before. And so he goes after them. So number two, breaking the limits of our unrealized potential. And the third one, and I'm going quickly today, is breaking the limits of our self-focused patterns. Now, I know that in this particular room, in this particular church, this isn't an issue, but just in case you ever run into anybody that has this, all right, that we would break the limits of our self-focused patterns. And notice what it says, and here's the little phrase. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief, a little phrase, decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. And again, this was a huge breakthrough. The, the, the potential breakthrough was huge. The, the, the one before that, I mean, all these different things, but they kinda, they're all breaking these limits. It's a huge break in the limits, breaking the barriers moment, and here's what it was. The Greek believers were now helping the Jewish believers. Let me say it another way. They were willing to flip the script. They were willing to flip the script and make it not about them and realize that God wanted to do something through them. They were willing to come to that place where we realize, you know what, it's not about my self-focused things. It's not about what I want or what I need or anything. It's about how God might want to use and work through my life. And they were breaking the barrier of just simply being a receiver 
to actually becoming a giver, to break the barrier of being a passive observer, to being an active participant, to break the barrier of just being blessed, to actually being a blessing. They were flipping the script so they could make a difference in the world of the people of the lives that actually had impact in them in the first place. Here's the second thought, is that they were willing to stop being consumers and start being contributors. And here's, here's my whole point with this, that sadly, this is why some of us never experience the fullness of what God has for them, for us, is because we never make the switch, that it it's all about breaking this barrier that says, as long as I'm okay, it's okay. For, for many of us, this barrier that has to be broken in our lives is the continual limits that says, what's in it for me? And they finally step through this moment. And here, I don't, I don't know how else to say it. I'm trying to say it as clear as I can. I'm kind of stumbling over my words. That they were Christians because the Jewish people were scattered to come and give them Christianity. They were Christians because they were the recipients of what had came from Jerusalem. They were receiving. But at some point, instead of just staying in a position and say, I'm just receiving, I'm just coming here to get what I can get for me, I'm, what, it's all about me, the switch got flipped. And they said, we're not just here for us, we're actually here to make a difference in the world ourselves. And it got changed. And what I'm trying to say today it's for some of us, the limit in our life is we're always looking for what we can get out of it instead of what maybe God wants us to give to it. That's the limit. That's the limit. Now let me pray. I want to, and as your heads are bowed and your hearts are bowed before the Lord, I want to pray about three specific things. And, and I'm just going to kind of walk us through this because I want to ask where the Holy Spirit may be is speaking to you and pray with you about that, okay? So here's the first one. Your hearts are bowed, your heads are bowed, you're, you're surrendered to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, what do you want? Is your, <laughs> is the knock upon your heart right now that first point that says, I need to break the limits of not being controlled by my problems, my circumstances, my situations, that that's where I've been living and God is speaking to me about breaking that limit. Is that you? If so, would you raise your hand so I can pray with you? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Lord, I pray for every person right now that raised their hand in a simple gesture that says, Lord, I've been looking at my circumstances and my situations and my problems more than I've been looking to you and what you're wanting to do through them, in them, and maybe even because of them. So, Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would help me to lean in tight to your power, to lean in tight to the opportunity that you have, the tension, Lord, that I would recognize that maybe in the middle of the tension, Lord, you're right there trying to show me something that you're wanting to do in me and through me. Help me to see that today. Help me to receive that today. Help me to embrace that today. Lord, let it be so in Jesus' name. The second group of people... Maybe you're here and the Holy Spirit is talking to you about how you're experiencing this unrealized potential thing because maybe there's no proof of faith. Maybe you haven't been holding steady. It's one day on, one day off. Or maybe 
you know you're supposed to be investing in other people that others have written off and you haven't. And God's calling and speaking to you about stepping into your potential in a big way. That's you. Would you raise your hand? Yay. Amen. Lord, I pray for those that raise their hand right now that realize that maybe, God, the limit in my life has been that, Lord, I haven't given myself fully to realizing the potential that you want to have through me. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would help me to walk in grace that there might be evidence. Lord, I'm asking that you would help me to make decision after decision after decision that is going towards you, not derailing from you or away from you. Lord, let it be so in my life. And Lord, I pray that, God, you would open my eyes to the things and the people around me that you want me to invest in and be a part of, to lift up and raise up that, God, you might do even more things through them. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name. And the last one, maybe you're here today. Right now what's been happening is you just have had more of a self-focused pattern. Just admit it. Just I've been more focused on me and what I can get out of it and, and what's in it for me. And if I'm okay, it's okay. All these different things. And I know that, God, you're calling me to get away from that limit into a different pattern that says, Lord, I don't want to be a receiver. I want to be a giver. I don't want to just take. I want to give. And God's speaking to you about that right now. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yes. Yes. Lord, I pray for hands that are raised, God, that in the name of Jesus, first and foremost, you would forgive us for making it about us. And that, Lord, you would help us, Lord, from this moment forward to not be in a position to just receive, but, Lord, to be in a position to pour it out for your glory. That, Lord, you would do something through us and in us right now that helps us to shift away and flip the script, Lord, on those kind of patterns and begin a new pattern from this day forward that says, Lord... I'm not here to be blessed. I'm here to bless. Lord, let it be so. Lord, as we respond today in worship, as we respond today in song, may you seal our decision. May you seal our commitment to you in this place. We ask for all of it in Jesus' name. Amen.